Now Adam's need for God rose up out of his recognition that he himself is nothing. It is this recognition of his own unreality that distinguishes him from the angels who think of themselves as being something. I quote again, before Adam, it was the time of the rich and the possessors of capital. As soon as Adam's turn arrived, the son of poverty and need rose up and indigence made its appearance. There was a group of creatures sitting on the treasure of glorification and calling God holy. They were auctioning off their own goods. We glorify thee and praise, the words of the angels of the book. But Adam was a poor man who came out of the hut of need and the corner of intimate prayer. He had dressed himself in indigence and destitution. Poverty was his means. So in regret, he raised the cry in the court of the Almighty, Our Lord, we have wronged ourselves. O dervish, from beggars, they take rejected coin in place of good money. They close their eyes to the transaction. But when it is a question of the rich, they are very careful. No doubt, the angels of the dominion had many capital goods, but among these was a certain amount of self-praise. They had written down the notation of weeness on the goods of their own obedient acts. Adam had no capital, but his breast was a mine for the jewel of need and an oyster for the pearl of poverty. So Adam's need is his own recognition of his incapacity and his worthlessness. It is, in a single word, humility. It is the acknowledgement of human weakness and human nothingness in face of the divine reality. It is a love that sees all good as coming from God and all evil as coming from self. Again, I quote, Alms are given to the needy, and we are the needy. Our good is in fact slipping, while evil is our own attribute. Our father Adam was given the hat of election and the crown of being chosen. Then he fell prisoner to a grain of wheat. What then is the state of us children who have been left in the church of this world? When the beginning of the bottle is Drake's, what do you think about its end? Now, if our wine is all drapes, that, however, is not our loss. It's our gain. I quote again. You should know for certain that the grain of wheat that Adam placed in his mouth was the fortress of his life. For human nature de demands looking, and whoever looks at himself will not be saved. That grain of wheat was made into Adam's fortress. Whenever Adam looked at himself, he looked in shame. He comes forward asking forgiveness, not in pride. In order for a person to be a traveler on the path to God, he must say, praise belongs to God. Whenever he looks at God's giving success. And whenever he looks at his own actions, he must say, I ask forgiveness from God. Because of the slip, Adam recognized that his own shortcomings are the overriding reality of his existence. He comes to know that he is nothing but dirt. 
anything else, comes from the divine providence. Hence, far from being a fault, Adam's fall is in fact his salvation and his glory. When the Quran says that Adam was a wrongdoer ignorant, while recounting how Adam carried the trust, this is not a criticism, according to Samani. This is a statement of his saving virtue. Likewise, the soul that commands to evil and nafs al-ammara, the soul with which every human being must contend, makes possible the ascent beyond the heavens to God. If a palace, I quote, does not have a garbage dump next to it, it is incomplete. There must be a garbage dump next to a lofty palace, so that whatever refuse and filth gather in the palace can be thrown there. In the same way, whenever God formed the heart by means of the light of purity, he placed next to it the dustbin of this impure soul. The black spot of ignorance flies on the same wings as the jewel of purity. There has to be a bit of corruption so that purity can be built upon it. A straight arrow needs a crooked bow. O oh heart, you'll be like a straight arrow. O oh soul, you'll take the shape of a crooked bow. The lesson that people need to learn from all this is that imperfection is part of human nature, that God knows this full well, and that no one should despair of God's mercy. <clears throat> At the same time, people have to learn from the angels never to be proud of their own good works, for seeing oneself as good is to see wrongly, since all good goes back to God. Again, Samani puts it this way, the angels had no slips, neither in the past nor in the future. But there would be a slip on Adam's part in the future, for God said, and Adam disobeyed. However, there is a secret hidden under this, for the angels saw that they were pure, while Adam saw that he was indigent. The angels were saying, we call thee holy. That is, we keep our own selves pure for thy sake. <coughs> Adam said, our Lord, we have wronged ourselves. God showed Adam that the slip of him who sees the slip is better in his eyes than the purity of him who sees the purity. That is why God gave Adam the honor of being the object before whom prostration was made. While he gave the angels the attribute of being the prostrators. Hence, no obedient person should be self-satisfied, and no disobedient person should lose hope. In Samani's view of the world, human imperfection leads to the perfection of love. It prevents people from seeing themselves, and allows them to turn all their aspiration toward the beloved. At the same time, human imperfection allows God to manifest his perfections. Without sinners, how could God be the forgiver? Hence, God's forgiveness demanded Adam's fall. Samani sometimes quotes a sound hadith of the prophet that alludes to the role of God's forgiveness in bringing sin into existence. The prophet said, if you did not sin, God would bring the people who do sin so that he could forgive them. Let me quote Samani on this point. The angels were honored by the divine presence. Each of them worshipped while wearing a shirt of sinlessness and an earring of obedience. 
But as soon as the turn of the earth arrived, they called out from the top of their purity <clears throat> and began to boast in the bazaar of me and no one else. They said, We glorify thee in praise. O angels of the celestial dominion, although you are obedient, this is God speaking now, although you are obedient, <clears throat> you have no blind passion in your souls, nor do you have any darkness in your makeup. If human beings disobey, they have blind passion and they have darkness. Your obedience, along with all your force, is not worth a dust mote before my majesty and tremendousness. And their disobedience, along with all their brokenness and dejection, brings about no imperfection in my domain. You hold fast to your own sinlessness, but they hold fast to my mercy. Through your obedience, you make manifest your own sinlessness and greatness. But through their disobedience, they make manifest my bounty and my mercy. In short, Samani sees the whole drama of the fall in terms of God's kindness and mercy towards human beings. God desires to make people aware of their own nothingness in order that they will put aside claims and open themselves up to his mercy, gentleness, love, and forgiveness. <clears throat> Samani tells us what went on behind the scene when Adam ate the forbidden fruit. God here is handing out the parts that the various actors have to play. Here's the stage director, right before the eating forbidden fruit. Tree, you put up your head next to Adam's throne. Passion for the fruit, you enter into Adam's heart. Accursed Satan, you let loose the reins of your whispering. Eve, the one instance we mentioned Eve. Eve, you do the guiding. Adam, don't eat the fruit. Have self-restraint. Self-restraint. Don't come near Adam. Oh God, God, he says. Oh God, God, what is all this? We want to make, bring Adam down from the throne of indifference to the earth of need. We want to make manifest the secret of love. Again, servant, this is, now he's talking obviously to us. Servant, avoid disobedience and stay away from caprice. Caprice, you take his reins. World, you display yourself to him. Servant, show self-restraint. Self-restraint. Don't come near him. Oh God, God, what is all this? We want to make the servant plead with us. We want to make manifest our attribute of forgiveness. Samani sees God's forgiveness and love as the underlying explanation for his answer to the angels when they objected to Adam's creation. The angel said, What wilt thou place therein, one who will do corruption and shed blood? God did not say that he was not doing that. He said, I know what you do not know. In other words, I know that I will forgive them. You know their disobedience, but I know my forgiveness. In your glorification, you angels, you make manifest your own activity. Well, in my forgiveness, I make manifest my own bounty and generosity. I know what you do not know, which is my love for them. No matter what they are, I love them. Through your 
though your felicity lies in your sinlessness, I desire to show mercy to them. You wear the vest of sinlessness. They wear the cover of mercy. Earth is the capital of incapacity and weakness. What can be shown toward the weak except mercy? On the day when Adam slipped, they beat the drum of good fortune for all human beings. God set down a foundation with Adam at the beginning of the work. He gave him a capital from his own bounty. The first example of the bounty that he gave Adam was that he placed him in paradise without any worthiness and without his asking. And the first example that Adam displayed of his own capital was his slip. God made a contract with Adam at the beginning of this business. The condition of the contract was that whenever someone buys something or sells something, he has to give a taste. Adam gave a taste of his capital when he disobeyed the command and ate the wheat. God gave Adam a taste of the cup of bounty when he pardoned that slip. No sin, says Samani, is as great as the first sin. This is especially true when the person was nourished on beneficence and nurtured through blessings. The angels had to prostrate themselves before Adam. The throne of his good fortune was placed upon the shoulder of those brought near to God. He was taken into paradise without any worthiness. God gave him a home in the neighborhood of his own gentleness. Since God pardoned the first slip, that is proof that he will pardon all sins. After all, says somebody, we have a thousand times more excuses than Adam had. If the darkness of clay is necessary, we have it. If the weakness of earth is necessary, we have it. If the impurity of stinking mud is necessary, we have it. If some confused bites of food are necessary, we have it. If the time should have become dark with injustice and corruption, we have that. If the accursed Iblis has to be sitting in wait for us, we have it. If caprice and passion have to dominate over us, we have that too. At the first slip, Adam was excused without any of these. Since we have all these blemishes, why should he not forgive us? In truth, he will forgive us. Finally, let me quote one more passage that sums up, in a nutshell, Samani's use. Dervish, I will tell you a secret. In the role of purity, they gave Adam the Chosen a cup full of the unmixed wine of love. From the distant Pleiades to the end of the earth, they set up the hat of his good fortune and the mirror of his magnificence. Then they commanded the angels of the celestial kingdom to prostrate themselves before him. But his magnificence, honor, eminence, good fortune, high level, and purity did not appear in that prostration. It appeared in Adam disobeyed. In certainty and in truth, 
These words extend higher than the throne of God's majesty. Why? Because being treated kindly in the time of conformity is no proof of honor. Being treated kindly in the time of opposition is the proof of honor. The chosen and beautiful Adam sat on the throne of majesty and protection with the crown of prosperity on his head and the robe of bounty across his breast. The mount of beneficence was at the door, the pillars of the seat of his good fortune were higher than the throne, the umbrella of kingship was opened above his head, and he himself had raised the exalted banner of knowledge in the world. If the angels and the celestial spheres should kiss the ground before him, that is no surprise. What is surprising is that he fell into the pit of that slip. His straight stature, which had been pulled up by God-elected Adam, became bent because Adam disobeyed. Then, from the heaven of eternal gentleness, the crown of then God chose him to win a derbyshire. If God had not wanted to accept him with all his defects, he would not have created him with all those defects. Do not think that Adam was brought out of paradise for eating some wheat. God wanted to bring him out. He did not break any commandments. God's commandments remained pure of being broken. Tomorrow, God will bring a thousand, thousand people who committed great sins into paradise. Should he take Adam out of paradise for one small act of disobedience? Okay.